MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are looking live at Tim Murray and Super Bowl champion Sean King on VSIN Primetime. We're off and running on a Tuesday evening where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, an easy winner last <laughs> night, Sean King's former team. That gentleman right there has been uh, has been a, nut, a name mentioned around a couple notable spots and we'll get to that as the show goes on i am tim murray and uh, we are in the thick of it we've got bowl season coming up we'll be talking some bowls we've got plenty of uh, injury news to hit on but man your ears were burning last night halftime booger mcfarlane your old teammate talking about you this morning on good morning uh, football on the nfl network you were being mentioned not that you needed more of an ego boost but here you go even more love for you you know, I was going to say, you know, the one <laughs> lesson that you could learn from those platforms is be nice to me, say good things about me, and uh, your life is much better. But uh, obviously, you went ahead and threw that lesson in the trash. But I will say this. You can't just say things and think they're factual. Well, you just said I don't need anymore. You, you don't. You think so very highly of yourself throwing, at all times. Well, hell, if, if you don't believe in you, how somebody else going to believe in you, Tim? <laughs> I mean, Jesus, to project confidence, you have to be self-confident, right? I'm getting my Dion on you. See, that's some of my good stuff. <laughs> I, I'll say this. I went through what Brock Purdy is going through, so I like the analogies. I like the fact that they could find video from 1999 that was clear and you could actually see what was going on. But, you know, really this is about Brock Purdy. 
Uh, glad that we were able to get a lot of great things accomplished in uh, Tampa. It's not the most ideal situation for a young quarterback. We're going to get to it. I want to hold off. I don't want to jump into it now because we have the audio from this morning, from Good Morning Football, and I do want to get your thoughts on the situation brewing in San Francisco where Baker Mayfield, Mm -hmm. Sean, will not be headed. He, of course, is headed to the Los Angeles Rams for some reason. But, hey. Well, let me ask you a question. Who did the San Francisco Who did the San Francisco 49ers trade for? They traded for Christian McCaffrey. So granted, Jimmy Garoppolo got injured. You don't think John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan went to Christian McCaffrey say, "What do you think of Baker?" No, no, no. I have no. I, I have no issue with the 49ers not signing Baker. Oh. I have an issue with why the hell are the Rams signing? Well, they him? want to punish the Lions. <laughs> Like, if they can win two games down the stretch, that makes the Lions draft pick. For those that don't know, part of the Matthew Stafford deal, the Lions have the Rams' first selection right now. That's a top five pick. If they can win a couple games down the stretch, it penalizes the Lions. That is true. Um, So, uh, interesting moves there. He... uh, There were some reports saying... So petty. There were some reports saying that he could be ready by Thursday. That would be wild. There's no way he's playing on Thursday. But, hey... Baker Mayfield to Los Angeles. We got a lot to get to. A big, big show. Before we get into it, can I welcome a new group of people? Sure. We are live on the air in Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah, the people are listening to HI Sports Radio. Radio. Yeah, 95.1 FM and 760 AM. Welcome to VEASAN Primetime. Happy to have you. Hopefully you'll find it entertaining and informative here with myself and the ginger genius, Tim Murray. Well, thank you. Yes, aloha to all our listeners out there on uh, on the island. Um, we got Matt Fortuna from The Athletic coming in studio. Uh, he will join us a little bit later on in this hour. We'll talk some college football with him. Red Hot Brad Powers, fresh off his victory uh, to wrap up the regular season. I believe his best bet went something like 8-1. and one. Over the last nine Yeah, I changed his name. He's now known as Fish Grease because he was <laughs> hot as Fish Grease from start to finish. We had guys that got hot, cooled off. He stayed hot the entire time. I like to give flowers while the person is still able to smell them, so we're going to give Brad Powers his flowers today. And uh, we'll see how many uh, bowl games he's already fired in on, so we'll get some early thoughts from Brad on the bowl season, any plays that he's already made. He's probably, probably made many of them. See if he has the best bet or if we'll just talk some bowl games out. Uh, we'll talk to your good friend, Rob Stats Guerrero. What in the world is going on in San Francisco? Because the latest, Sean, is that now Jimmy G might actually be available for the postseason. That was the latest report that it is now seven to eight weeks. Surgery isn't needed. And if rehab goes according to plan, he could be back in two months which would mean sometime in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm buying Brock Purdy stock. <laughs> we'll get to uh, your guy, Brock Purdy. I think the only reason you like him is because people kept... Right, so we got to keep him relevant. We got to keep him going. And then, if him being good and relevant attaches me, I, hey, let's go Brock Purdy. I'm his biggest fan. <laughs> <laughs> Why is Sean Brock Purdy's biggest fan? We'll tell you in about 10 minutes. Uh, and then Doug Allen, creator and producer of Entourage, his weekly visit with us, uh, Papa, Papa Doug, he will join us, and I'm sure you and him will uh, enjoy some uh, 
some walks down memory lane of the last two-lane championship as uh, Doug, of course, a two-lane grad as well as Sean is. All right, let's get to it as we start every show. Let's get to a little bettable or forgettable, Sean, and we'll start with quarterback news. And no, it's not from San Francisco. On the other coast, Mm -hmm. Lamar Jackson is going to likely be out this week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's dealing with a strained PCL in his knee The Ravens, you look at their schedule moving forward, it is very manageable, but, Sean, they're without Lamar Jackson. What does that mean? Cincinnati's getting hot. They've got a really challenging schedule. As of right now, they have equal records at both 8-4. and Bettable or forgettable that Lamar Jackson likely out this week and could be out a couple weeks with this PCL strain. Well, at least you have Tyler Huntley, who played last year for you. Didn't average a lot of yards passing, only about 158, but he completed 65% of his passes. You know, kicked in another 40-plus yards on the ground, almost 6.3 yards per carry. So it's not like you're going to an unknown entity. So uh, the the key for me, uh, selfishly for Lamar on his side, because he is up for a brand-new contract, is to get all the way healthy. And on the Ravens' side, the same thing applies. You want him fully healthy come playoff time, maybe a few weeks off to, to – rejuvenate physically to kind of reevaluate mentally and refocus, you know, as the playoffs come is a good thing for Lamar and for the Ravens. When you look at remaining strength of schedule, just based off of win percentage, the Baltimore Ravens have the 25th most difficult. Only one team remaining on their schedule has a winning record. That's the Cincinnati Bengals. They still have Atlanta, two games with Pittsburgh and Cleveland, but Cleveland with Deshaun Watson, who, you know, certainly looked like a guy who hasn't played football in a while uh, this past weekend. As for Cincinnati, Sean, their remaining schedule, Buffalo, Baltimore, Tampa Bay, New England, and Cleveland. They have the uh, fifth most difficult based off of winning percentage. So uh, Cincinnati's getting hot at the right time. They're 8-4. and Both are playing really well. Odds would indicate that in the futures market, but we'll see who ultimately uh, prevails in this division. This could very easily get me back into the cigar bet race. Just one game? No, Huntley being the quarterback for the Ravens. Maybe Cleveland, maybe Pittsburgh can make up some ground. You know, Cleveland's like four and eight. Uh, Cleveland's five and seven. Baltimore's eight and four. You've got Pittsburgh against Baltimore. Pittsburgh's five and seven. Baltimore's eight and four. Same story, just different name. You don't believe a second of that. That Baltimore could not finish the season strong? I absolutely believe that you part. Think, you think the Baltimore Ravens will finish with a worse record I said than the Pittsburgh Steelers? I said my cigar bet has life. I didn't not. say it was living. It has life. It has about as much life as Carson Wentz making the Pro Bowl. You know what? You're so close to being a good person. I really hope at so some point again, that you kind of just cross this threshold and be, just become a good person. You can't just say things and expect them to be reality. Well, the Ravens. You can't. You just their can't. starting quarterback is injured, so very conceivably the offense could take another step back. They're already a team that teeters on winning and losing. It seems every week. And Cleveland has their quarterback back from suspension, and Pittsburgh has actually been playing How did pretty darn Woodson good the last couple Sunday? weeks. Well, that was his first game in, in, in almost two years. Yeah, he looked like it. Well, he can't look any worse. That's what I'm saying. Oh, is that what so it that is? So that arrow's pointing up. Okay. Uh, very surprising to some, not as surprising to others, the Titans fired their general manager today, John Robinson, uh, despite the Titans currently being in first place, Sean, in the division, uh, they were 
absolutely hammered over the weekend by the Eagles. And uh, A.J. Brown, I think, enjoyed uh, that win quite quite well. Uh, so is this bettable or forgettable? Or, yeah, I guess the question would be bettable or forgettable, Sean, that John Robinson, the Titans general manager, removed from uh, his services today. Well, I'm not a person that likes to see people get fired, but in this instance, it was deserved. I mean, you, you've continued to sabotage one of the better young coaches in the National Football League, in my opinion, Coach Vrabel, by hamstringing him with Ryan Tannehill. And then you traded away one of the most talented wide receivers in the National Football League in A.J. Brown and went out and utilized a significant draft asset to acquire Traylon Burks, who's done nothing for you this year. So that's a myriad of examples right there why John Robinson should have been on the hot seat. Now, as fate would have it, you guys go to Philadelphia and A.J. Brown actually plays and looks like one of the top five wide receivers in the National Football League. And I guess the owner said, okay, that's enough. You're out of here. Adding the fact that the Titans aren't playing very good right now. The video of Mike Vrabel resurfacing from draft night was, yeah. uh, <laughs> was something. All right, real quickly, Sean. Bettable or forgettable? The ageless one, not Tom Brady. Josh Johnson has another job. He has been signed by the San Francisco 49ers. He has uh, been on this 49ers roster a handful of times. He has now been on 14 NFL teams. So Josh Johnson back in the league, Sean, looks like to back up Brock Purdy. Yeah, first of all, I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> that a guy that has thrown, what is it, 13 touchdowns and 16 picks in his career? <laughs> Played longer than me. This is it's not fair. Well, speaking fair. of Sean King, why was his name being mentioned this morning on the NFL Network? You'll hear that audio next, right here on VSIN Primetime. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. 
I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is VSIN Primetime with Tim Murray and Sean King on VSIN, the sports betting network. It's time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options, along with in game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today. And stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love. BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Alongside. Former Tampa Bay Buccaneer quarterback, Sean King. I am Tim Murray in studio. 15 minutes from now, Matt Fortuna from The Athletic talking some college football. College football news just uh, moments ago. Barry Odom, Arkansas defensive coordinator, former Missouri head coach, will be the head coach for the UNLV Rebels here in town. Good for him. Hope he comes here and you know gets the program headed in the right direction. They have a beautiful football only building for the players to develop and, and grow and you know they play in a wonderful home stadium in Allegiant so there's some good things you know well uh, be interesting can he galvanize the community community to uh care about the product but other than that and I think UNLV is probably a pretty good job a lot of uh a lot of different rumors out there all week long and uh I think maybe some folks are disappointed but at the end of the day is a guy who I believe through three years at Missouri, had a better record than the current guy, Eli Drinkowitz. So uh, he's uh, he's certainly a defensive-minded coach. We'll see if that plays out in the Mountain West and uh, for UNLV. But that is uh, who UNLV is expected to hire. 
Barry Odom as the new UNLV head football coach. The portal's just been madness. More and more players jumping in and out. Uh, just make sure. I saw someone who had like 100 followers and the paid-for blue check mark saying Drake May was heading into the portal. Just, just make sure you're realizing who's tweeting these things. More often than not, like we talked about yesterday with someone saying that Ed Orgeron was going to be the UNLV coach, and then Bruce Feldman had to step in and say, yeah, he hasn't even talked to UNLV. Just just make sure that uh, the proper people are, uh, are reporting these so things. So you mean to tell me people lie on Twitter? Yes. Word wow. on the street. Yes, word on the street. All right. Um, we'll get more college football for you here momentarily. But last night on Monday Night Football during halftime, your teammates, your former teammate, your mm-hmm. draft mate, Booger McFarlane, mm-hmm. brought up your name in the discussion of Brock Purdy stepping in okay. as that quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers because the hot topic is what do the 49ers and what should the 49ers do? So that was last night. This morning on the NFL Network, Peter Schrager elaborated even a little bit more about my former or about my current co-host and the former Tampa Bay Buccaneer quarterback, Sean King, in relation to the situation in San Francisco. So this is a clip from NFL Network's Good Morning Football, Peter Schrager, talking about the situation in San Francisco and comparing it to Sean's rookie season. And I go back to a very specific team, one of my favorite teams of all time. The, not the 99 Rams, the 99 Buccaneers. 99 Buccaneers had a great defense, an all-time great defense. They had Trent Dilfer at quarterback. He goes down with an injury in week 13. Eric Zier was the backup. He goes down with an injury. They put in Sean King, a rookie out of Tulane. Sean King goes in and wins enough games and leads them to the playoffs, and they get to the NFC Championship game, and they're a Bert Emanuel play short and a Ricky Prohl dream catch short of going to the Super Bowl. I think Brock Purdy could be this year's Sean King. And I know that sounds like such a good morning football statement for me. I'm with you, Peter. <laughs> Brock Purdy could be this year's Sean King. All right, <laughs> go and check your Google and go look up the history. We need to big font that. You I need to like big font that. <laughs> Brock Purdy can be this year's Sean King. Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant, the final pick in the 2022 draft out of Iowa State. You were a much higher selection in the second round in 1999. But, Sean, what do you think about that comparison? Brock Purdy stepping in to a situation with a lot of talent around him, Mm -hmm. a very, very talented defense, and we saw that this past weekend against the Miami Dolphins. So what do you think, A, about that comparison, and what do you think, B, the San Francisco 49ers should do at the quarterback position? It's a legit comparison because we were both two young quarterbacks that the organization was high on but did not anticipate or expect having to play as a rookie. So that component matches up. The pluses. When you're a young player in that league, you've never experienced failure. So there shouldn't be any apprehension about not succeeding with Brock Purdy. Like, there are vets in the league who are getting to the end of their careers who never won a Super Bowl. The stress level, the anxiety that exists is much greater because they see how hard it is to be a competent winning organization in the National Football League, especially one that has a chance to win a Super Bowl. So that anxiety won't exist with Brock. 
The hard part is you're not really getting to play your game. So you're fresh off of being a dynamic, dominant, elite college football player, or you wouldn't be in the NFL as a rookie. And now you're being asked to basically do what your backup in college was asked to do if something ever happened to you. Don't lose the game. So it takes an extreme elite level of maturity to find the balance, Tim. How do I believe in and have confidence in the skill set and the abilities that got me here, yet also acquiesce to the fact that if I just make my layups and every possession ends with a kick, whether it be punt, whether it be field goal, whether it be extra point, we're probably going to be pretty successful in the win-loss column. So Brock Purdy being a rookie like you were in 1999, and you kind of laid it out there, but you look at the weapons that he has to work with offensively. You've got arguably the best left tackle in the game in Trent Williams. You've got some dynamic pieces out wide. Brandon Ayuk continues to emerge. Debo Samuel does a little bit of everything. You've got Christian McCaffrey. And then you've got this defense that has become really one of the better defenses in the entire NFL. So if you're Kyle Shanahan and you're talking to Brock Purdy, this past weekend, you just there's no time to think. You just got to go in, right? You got to go in for Jimmy Garoppolo. Now you've got time to kind of sit back and process it all. What is this week like for Brock Purdy, knowing he's QB1 for a team that has not only aspirations to win the division, but to win the Super Bowl? Well, all I can speak to is how I handle it, and I handled it. And it was very similar because we were on the road. I know he was at home, but Trent Dilfer got hurt in the middle of the Seahawks game. I went in. Uh, I think Brock Purdy deserves a shout-out for being prepared, just like I was. Wasn't sure I was going to play. Had not played up to that point, but when I had to play, I was ready. Now, the following week, we played on Monday Night Football. <laughs> so, so it was different. It was a big stage. It's, it's a lot that goes to that, but I was ready. I actually went out, you know, had a pretty good game, you know, threw two touchdowns. We didn't throw it a whole lot, as you can see by the 19 attempts. Uh, I didn't really have eight incompletions. Like, they shouldn't count throwaways as incompletions. <laughs> I threw away about four of those balls. Um but he'll be fine. I think he'll be fine. You know, when you look at roster construction, San Francisco has a lot more resources invested on the offensive side of the ball than we did when I first arrived in Tampa. You know, we were a very defense-heavy draft pick. You, I mean, uh, we were a very defense-heavy roster at that time. Booger, who mentioned me last night, was the first-round pick. Mm -hmm. We already had Warren Sapp. We already had guys like Derek Brooks, Hardy Nickerson, uh, Donnie Abraham, Rondé Bryant, John Lynch. Like, a lot of those guys are either in the Hall of Fame or have been finalists so, for the Hall of Fame. So we didn't have, and this is no knock on my teammates, it's just the allocation of resources. We didn't have a running back, Christian McCaffrey, who we had given up a bunch to get. We didn't have a first-round pick, I think, in Debo Samuel, another first-round pick, Brandon Ayuk, another first-round, second-round, George Kittles. Like, we hadn't gotten to that point yet where we had those kind of resources on offense. So it really was a play field position, take advantage of opportunities when they present themselves, and then allow our defense to get the game to the fourth quarter, and then we find a way to win it. So here we are. It's week 14, entering week 14. Mm -hmm. The San Francisco 49ers are 8-4. and four. They're in first place in the NFC West. And it's not Monday Night Football, but they're hosting the reigning Super Bowl champs. I know they didn't look that great last night, but it's still Tom Never Brady. Never in doubt. Never it's in doubt. It's still Tom Brady Never over on the doubt. other side. Never there. in doubt. Do you agree with what seems to be the decision by this organization 
to roll with the guy who's been there, knows the offense, as opposed to going and getting Baker Mayfield or somebody else. I know they signed Josh Johnson, but it seems like the clear indication is we're bringing in Josh Johnson to be Brock Purdy's backup. Absolutely. And uh, let me say this clear. And this goes to every NFL organization. You should not have a quarterback on your team that you don't think you can win a football game with. And that's what happens so many times. Guys have backups for the wrong reason. Guys have a young player for the wrong reason. I trust John Lynch. I trust Kyle Shanahan. Brock Purdy's going to do a great job. That's Sean King. Didn't need to be mentioned on all these platforms, did he? They at least could have said he's the co-host of Visa Primetime or something like that. <laughs> Matt Fortuna from The Athletic talking college football next in studio. This is VSIN Primetime with Tim Murray and Sean King on VSIN, the sports betting network. If you're a college football better, VSIN has a new podcast that is a must listen. The VSIN, and that's V S I N, College Football Betting Podcast releases not one, not two, but three episodes every week to fully prepare you as a better. VEASAN analyst, the ginger genius himself, Tim Murray, accompanied by Matt Humans, Adam Burke, and Jonathan Von Tobel, they react to lines as soon as they are released. Very important as we got bowl season coming up, by the way. They discuss line movement and give a betting breakdown for every bowl game. Download and subscribe to VEASAN's, that's V-S-I-N, College Football Betting Podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts. It is VEASAN primetime alongside Tulane Green Wave great Sean King. I'm Tim Murray, joined in studio like we were last year. Matt Fortuna of The Athletic, and it's uh, it's nice to have the college football community here in town for the Hall of Fame because Ari Wasserman, your colleague at The Athletic, joined us in studio last night. You're here tonight. So, uh, Matt, a lot to get to. We spent an entire segment on Dion last night. We have to get to it again, I imagine, but let's let's hold off for just a second. TCU is right now about a touchdown underdog, and Ohio State is similar, about a six and a half point underdog. Who do you think has a better shot come New Year's Eve to pull the upset? I would say Ohio State, just because I think we all have at least a vision of what this team is like when they're at their peak. Now, obviously, they didn't show that their last time out against Michigan, and it's given a lot of people a lot of pause about the Buckeyes. But if you were to give Kirby Smart or anyone on the Georgia staff a dose of truth serum and say, who would you least want to play? I'm betting they would have said Ohio State. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the contrasting styles of play between these two programs, look, Georgia's a better team. They've earned the right to be number one. They're the defending champs, and it's going to be a virtual home game for these guys in Atlanta again. uh, This is still a very, very challenging team to play against. And I think, you know, Georgia's been the best team in the country, but at some point you lose 15 NFL draft picks that has to like come to light. I would think it really hasn't yet. And they haven't been as dominant defensively as they were last year, but they haven't had to be so far either. I do also think Kirby smart breathed a little easier when it was announced that Jackson Smith and Jigba Mm -hmm. would bypass the college football playoff and try and get fully healthy in preparation for the NFL draft. To me, that was a scary component. Travion Henderson and Jackson Smith and Jigba come back to that group they already have. Those are two guys that are probably going to be top 15 picks. You know, those are difference makers. I still think Georgia's probably a little too much. Um, but I think Michigan's a lot better than we thought. You know, yeah. 
because of their non-con and because of the fact that the Big Ten outside of the top two seem to be average you know, across the board, we didn't oh, give Michigan a lot of respect. You're talking to Penn State, right? I came in here <laughs> well, complimenting Tulane. <laughs> well, to be honest, two New Year's Six teams. To, to be honest, we thought highly of Penn State until they played at Michigan. Yeah. And offensively, they look so out of their league. It's hard to get that out of your mind. Fast forward to the Ohio State game. They had the game won yeah. and then created a way to lose that game in the fourth quarter. So those are kind of the lasting images we had. No offense to, to, to Nittany Lions. They were, people forget they were 500 the last two years. I know the Rose Bowl this year. Like, that's a huge jump. I don't know one wants to hear that, but you look at the Big Ten historically, it's Ohio State, it's Michigan, and it's Penn State. Yep. Like, they're three if they're all clicking at the right For some time. reason, the Big Ten put them all in the same Side <laughs> and Michigan State so twos had, they had big year last year too. Let's look at that TCU Michigan game. Uh, Max Duggan did everything in his capabilities to try to will them to that championship, uh, and just just couldn't ultimately get there. TCU has been doubted, and I've been one who doubted them quite a bit this year, all year by everybody. I'm curious what the perception will be come New Year's Eve, just betting wise, if people want to grab the points, think they'll keep this thing close. What is the path in your eyes, Matt, to TCU keeping this thing close within the number against Michigan on New Year's Eve? I, I think it's TCU exploiting that Michigan defense in a way that no one's been able to do it really outside of Ohio State for one quarter this year. And, and I don't know if there are any exploitable parts of this Michigan defense. But but to your point, I mean, I'm right there with you. I've doubted TCU every step of the way this season. Vegas has doubted TCU. Mm-hmm. I mean, they closed as underdog against Kansas State. That wasn't yep. an upset, as crazy as that sounds. So, uh, you know, I, I'm glad they're in it. I'm glad there's fresh blood in the college football playoff. Uh, you know, it's a first-year head coach. We spent all this time talking about Lincoln Riley's turnaround job. What Sonny Dykes has done at TCU in one year is incredible. And with a quarterback, mind you, who wasn't even his opening day starter. Um, he got that job through injury in the Colorado game and, and, and never lost it. Um, he's been phenomenal. He'll probably be the Heisman runner-up. It's going to take another Herculean effort for him to, to beat this Michigan team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, everything I just said about TCU, I think you apply to a lesser extent to Michigan. I mean, I think after last year, we thought, all right, they beat Ohio State. They've reached the peak. Harbaugh's going to try to go to the NFL. Recruiting's going to suffer. That's that. And we all kind of forgot about these guys, and they come out and do what they did this year, in particular in the Ohio State game. They're undefeated, the first, I believe, 13-win team in Michigan history. And I hate to like put this in this context because Blake corham has been phenomenal, but to see what they've done without Blake Corum the last yeah. two weeks, Edmonds is probably dude, would have been a Heisman finalist, yeah. has been pretty remarkable. Um, I think those receivers have stepped up as well. And you knew J.J. McCarthy would get better over the course of the season. The question now is, is he in the same league as right now as Max Duggan is right now? Because Duggan's been better than everyone this side of Caleb Williams. I've got a question. Does or is there any correlation between what happens at 9 a.m. on New Year's Eve in the Sugar Bowl between Alabama and Kansas State? Does the competitiveness in that game give you any more foresight into potentially TCU's chances against Michigan? I personally don't really know what I'm looking at when I watch the Big 12. It, it seems like a whole bunch of teams that are mm-hmm. kind of within, like, you know what I'm saying, like when a couple Kansas rating points. When Kansas is good, points. it raises right. the floor of everybody. Right, yeah. so if, if Kansas State looks like they belong against Alabama, does that make TCU, you think, a, a liver dog than if Bama comes in and Kansas State just looks completely outmanned? I mean, I think that's something that Sonny Dykes will point to if he watches them beat Alabama earlier that day he can say look I mean I think Urban Meyer um, when they won it all and they beat Alabama a couple years ago 
uh, they, they they beat a Wisconsin team 59 nothing to get there. And mm-hmm. that Wisconsin team ended up beating Auburn that morning. And Urban Meyer, after they beat Alabama, said, I showed them, hey, we just beat this Wisconsin team by 59 points, and they just beat a team that almost beat Alabama. Like, the Big Ten's pretty good. Like, we belong on this field. Let's go out there and show it. I, if that happens for K-State, I could see TCU using it. Would I read too much into it? I, tell me who's playing for Alabama, and then yeah, I'll give you an right. answer. I mean, Bryce, Young Bryce Young's not going to play. Right. They, had, they had four top 100 recruits enter the portal yesterday. I'm not that. sure if Kansas State has had four top 100 recruits in the history of their program. <laughs> it, it, and honestly, it makes this bowl more exciting, though, yeah. right? I mean, if this was week one, we'd all pick Alabama. Now, who's going to play? I mean, I, I think K-State will be more motivated. Oh, I think absolutely. it's safe to say that right now. And they're really excited about winning the Big 12. No one picked them to do it. Alabama called. Sean did. Did you really? Yeah, he did. They, they were a popular dark horse, but like odds wise, they were still it. down there. Yeah, you can't um, go from no one picked them to then I raised my hand and then they were a popular dark horse. Like, <laughs> here's come special. on, man. You're a Tulane yeah, grad. Yeah, no, you probably on, Tulane one in the, uh, the American this one, year. One too. more, one more, one more. Stuart Mandel <laughs> also picked Kansas State, just did, saying that. I know that guy. Uh, did did uh, you live bet your, your box last night with three minutes left? Down? Never in doubt. Never in doubt. Never in doubt. <laughs> All right, we're uh, later on in the show, Matt, as Matt Fortuna from The Athletic join us, we're going to rank. You know, excluding the playoff, our fa- the most intriguing bowl matchups. Just looking at the New Year's Six. So you've got the Orange Bowl, Clemson, and Tennessee with now the emergence, finally, of Kate <laughs> Klubnik. Then you've got the, the, the Sugar Bowl that we talked about on New Year's Eve, Kansas State, Alabama. You've got the Rose Bowl with uh, uh, Utah and, uh, and Penn State, your alma mater. And then we've got the Cotton Bowl with Sean's alma mater, Tulane, and USC. Of those four storylines, because you're a writer, what is the most intriguing of those four New Year's Six games to you? I think from a football standpoint, I'll say Utah Penn State because I think those are the two teams I feel most comfortable right now on what is December 6th, saying they'll probably both be close to full strength. I think both teams want to win this game. Both teams are happy to be here and think they're playing for something big in this game. I don't know if you can say the same about Alabama. I don't know if you could say the same about USC, which was on the doorstep of the playoff and now probably won't have Caleb Williams for this game and, and same with Tennessee if Hendon Hooker was playing mm-hmm. I would absolutely say the Orange Bowl between Hendon Hooker and Kay Klubnik I, I want to see Tulane against USC um, yeah kind of what we just talked about with, with Kansas State Alabama right I think this is a much bigger game for one team than it is for the other and, and look they've already exceeded all outside of Sean external expectations so far this season if they could cap it with a win <laughs> over Lincoln Riley's Trojans uh, that would be one of the more re- remarkable turnaround jobs, at least among the group of five we've ever seen. And you look at the from future, two and ten to it would be a, twelve, right? A, to a Sugar Bowl or a Cotton Bowl championship, that would be pretty good. And I mean, you look at the the future of college football. You kept your coach, and it, knock on wood, it looks like he's going to stay there for next year. The AAC is going to look completely different next year, and I think it's going to pay more to be the top dog of the group of five than it will to be another lower tier power five when we look at the future of the college football playoff i mean if we had the 12 team format in place right now two lanes a playoff team and so you look at the future of that program you look at their coach staying that has to get you excited fired up Tulane would if we had the new 12 team format Tulane would be at tcu week one is that is that right on the quarter sounds, sounds about right because probably TC, favored because tcu yeah, we'd probably, we probably be favored no. I mean, we did go to Manhattan, Kansas, and That's beat true. the eventual Big 12 champion. Who I, I, I will say th- TCU. That would be the smallest 12-5 line I think we would see, yeah. you know, Vegas-wise. That is true. That is true. One of us on this set wrote up Tulane against Kansas State, and his name wasn't Sean King. All right, more with Matt Fortuna from The Athletic 
Also keeps an eye on Notre Dame. What are they going to do at quarterback? It is V-CIN primetime. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is v Primetime with Tim Murray and Sean King on v the sports betting network. 
Basketball fans can turn a loss into a win with the King of Sportsbooks. Just place a single first basket score or prop bet on any NBA game. If your bet loses, you'll receive up to $25 back in free bets. Wager confidently and take your game to the next level with BetMGM, an authorized gaming partner of the NBA. Just log into your account or download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Then wager on any player to score the first basket in any NBA game. If your bet misses, you'll get up to $25 back in free bets. Turn game time into showtime with BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification, eligibility requirements, rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets, or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi, Nevada, or New York. Alongside Sean King, I'm Tim Murray. Matt Fortuna from The Athletic, kind enough to hang out with us in studio with some college football heads being here in uh, Las Vegas. That's my BHB. <laughs> Something with hair? Ball-headed brother. Well, you need, to, you need to be on his podcast. They I know. Him. We had Tim on. And we... yeah, I, I, got some, I still got some hair follicles going Jordan on. Jordan Cornette's banned ever since he grew out the hair. Like <laughs> He was such a friend of the show, and he went and betrayed us. Matt Fortuna is the co-host of the Shamrock Podcast. Great uh, listen. With Pete Sampson. Pete yeah. joined us when Notre Dame was in town. So I do want to get to Colorado and Dion being the buzz, and I'm sure the talk of Las Vegas right yeah. now with everyone here. But I am curious – your connections, you covered Notre Dame while you are at ESPN. You still obviously cover them pretty closely now being at The Athletic. Uh, we'll start with Drew Pine's decision to hit the portal. Um, when that news came out from Pete Thamel, I believe it was, or whoever broke it, I was, I was surprised at the timing. Um, what did the folks inside Notre Dame, were they surprised that the decision was made now because he's not going to play in the bowl game and now they've got to figure out who's going to be their starting quarterback against South Carolina in the Gator Bowl. Yeah, I think the timing was the biggest surprise of all that. I knew he was supposed to sit down with Marcus Rima at some point next week, or excuse me, last week. Um, I believe he was on pace to graduate in the spring. Mm. And if my math is correct, he would still have three years of eligibility if, if he's, you know, quote unquote, stuck it out throughout the spring. So I, I was surprised in that regard. Um, but I get it. I mean, you look at college football right now, you look at the ACC in particular, I think half the guys who are on the preseason player of the year watch list are in the portal right now. They're all quarterbacks. Devin Leary is uh, leaving NC State. Phil Jerkovic is at Pittsburgh Keaton now. Keaton Slovis. So, yeah, Keaton um, Slovis. A lot of them. Uh, Brendan Armstrong from yeah. Virginia, who will, I would imagine, go up to Syracuse and reunite with the guy who seemed to spark his career. I would think so. Robert I mean, I, I keep waiting for Bronco Mendenhall to take an open job and take half that staff back with him, but it does look like it's going to happen. Bronco and Dion are a little bit different yeah. when you talk about uh, who was up for the Colorado job. Uh, but, but if you're Drew Pine, and I think, you know, the analogy I, I get, whether it's a head coach going to be an assistant or uh, a quarterback who loses his job or, or stops playing, it's hard to go from first class to coach. And if you're Drew Pine, you just got a taste of it. You started, what, 10 games this mm -hmm. year? And that, yeah, he took a lot of heat, but he did pretty good, all things considered. I don't think I, – I think you want to keep that going. And whether that's at another Power 5 school or a high-level G5 school – but clearly, that quarterback room at Notre Dame was going to look different next year. Uh, presumably, you'll have a, a healthy Tyler Buckner. Notre Dame was very upfront, both with him, from my understanding, and publicly with us about, yes, we're absolutely in the market for a transfer quarterback. Uh, the path to playing time was not nearly as clear as it was this year. And, you know, if, if there was ill will, not, or not necessarily ill will, but unease on both sides, better to do it now, I guess, than to, than to drag it out and to find a new home. The problem is... <clears throat> the cost attached to 
getting these transfer quarterbacks has increased greatly. I've heard uh, in upwards of two and a half, three million dollars for some of those guys on that list. None who I think are elite. Michael Pratt talked to you about that, or Pratt's not going anywhere. Yeah, Pratt. Pratt might have. I'll be down in in Dallas for the Cotton Bowl. We, we with the bag. Yeah, Pratt, Pratt's <laughs> not going anywhere. The Vison bag. But what happens is Drew Drew Pine has a conversation with Tommy Reese or Marcus Freeman. What are we going thinking about at quarterback? We're bringing someone in from the transfer portal. That is now more than just a transfer. There's a cost attached to it. A lot more pressure now to have to play the transfer if you're going to your alums, your boosters, your NIL, your collective, and taking resources out of that to secure this transfer. I think there's some truth to that. I mean, conversely, you look at a guy like JT Daniels who ended up in the portal today and he's going to be on, I think, his fourth school in four years. And this is a guy who everyone, mid-game in the national title game last year, was clamoring for to get in that game and to finish the job against Alabama. It didn't happen. Stetson Bennett obviously has done pretty well for himself since then. So I, I understand your point. I, I, when you when you started saying cost, I thought you meant as far as quarterback room chemistry. No. Because if you keep no. replacing guys year after year. <laughs> These guys are going to the highest bidder. A lot of them are right yes. now. It is. I'll just say this about <laughs> and just <laughs> so, following. Yeah, I don't agree with it, but no, it is. it's reality. Hey, the game is but the I, game. I, I'll say that you know, yeah. conversely, anytime someone brings that up and says what's happening, I don't disagree. Yeah. Scott Satterfield just switched sidelines for the bowl game, right? That's like, right. And that they'll be on the same sideline. Did you see yeah. the breakdown? Yeah, yeah, They're going to be on the same sideline. He side can do both teams, yeah. yeah. Coach, coach both of them. Um, yeah. So talking once again to Matt Fortuna, I, I'm fascinated how it all plays out. Right. Every every player, every quarterback that jumps in the portal, I see some sort of Notre Dame fan. Oh, Devin Leary. Oh, Brennan Armstrong. Oh, Spencer Sanders. I don't know who it's going to be. Uh, we'll see. Hopefully they make the right choice. I will say this as a good friend of Coach Freeman. At a institution like Notre Dame, you should not have to depend on the transfer portal for that position. And I know he's in year one, so this is not – right now the group that he recruited but you should be able to go out and get two or three elite high school players that you've developed and you have to create a culture like nick has done at alabama where guys that are really talented are willing to wait because the platform is so big and you create a lineage where once you excel on that platform it's paying off by realizing your dream of playing national football league that's the only way to, to stay healthy i i think that's sorry to me I, I think that's ideal i think a lot of programs would like to do that but they tried that this year and i know through no fault of their own tyler buckner gets hurt and the question hanging over every game this season is why do you only have three scholarship quarterbacks two of whom are healthy and so I think you, you have no choice now but to create depth in that room in the short term. Um, real quickly on the bowl game, because I do want to get to Colorado, just your your initial thoughts. So Notre Dame's playing South Carolina. It's uh, it's actually a ranked matchup, so there's some intrigue. I mean, it, it's not a bad matchup um, at the Gator Bowl. Notre Dame's a three-and-a-half-point favorite at most spots. You think Notre Dame's motivated? I, I feel like they will be. It's year one of Freeman. I imagine Michael Mayer's not going to play. Why would he? The big question is, is Spencer Rattler playing? So, well, I feel more confident about South Carolina's quarterback situation now than I do Notre Dame's, right? right. Like, Freeman said Tyler <laughs> Buckner's full go. I don't know. I, I think he may have jumped no the gun way. publicly. The guy uh, broke his collarbone I, I, at surgery. There's no way he's full go I for would a be, bowl game. I would be surprised if he played in the bowl <laughs> game. And then you're talking to, about a true freshman in Steve Angeli who saw virtually no time this season despite plenty of outside, outside noise clamoring for him to get that opportunity. Look, I, I saw Shane Beamer, you know, uh, earlier at, at the Blasio Hotel, he's in town for for the Hall of Fame, and he's. I, I didn't realize Jackson was only four hours four hours from Columbia. Like yeah. ticket sales 
are going to be through the roof because we know Notre Dame fans travel everywhere. This is a big opportunity for South Carolina. They haven't played in this game in about 30 years. And if you're Shane Beamer, this is your second year at South Carolina, a job that probably should be better than it is, but historically, outside of Steve Spurrier, no one's had a whole lot of success there. You can close your second year with wins against Tennessee, Clemson, and Notre Dame. And you know this guy can recruit. He's a good recruiter. You know how much he's going to be able to build off that recruiting-wise if he finishes with nine wins in year two? Was Satterfield the play caller in South Carolina, or does Beamer call the plays? Because I know they lost their OC I believe it was Satterfield. to Nebraska. So that's another mm-hmm. unknown. Yeah. And listen, Spencer Rattler played as good as anybody in the country the last two weeks. Yeah. So if that guy shows up, I don't know if it even mattered who Notre Dame had at quarterback. So it just it's it's – I think the entire bowl season, every game kind of has like intrigue, uncertainty. It's going to make it right. fascinating. No, look at these lines now. I'm like, <laughs> there's value there. We just don't know where it is yet because you don't know who's going to play it. I mean, I'm surprised Notre Dame's is, is favored, as, I'm surprised they're favored, frankly, because they don't have a quarterback that yeah. we know of right now. They should be able to run the ball, but who knows? Uh, we will see. Matt Fortuna joining us in studio. All right, final 90 seconds. We spent a whole segment on Colorado. We could do it again, but... What's been the kind of the buzz here in Vegas with the coaches that you, you've talked to on and off the record about Dion going to Colorado? I, to your point, you just said we spent a lot of time on Colorado. When's the last time that's ever been said about Colorado football since 1991? Right, or 91, right? <laughs> so I, I think it's low risk if you're Colorado, right? Sure. What do you have to lose? I think, you know, his message to the team, I like the contents of the message. I don't think it's that different from what most new coaches say to their players. You can talk to Ohio State players about what it was like to, for Urban Meyer to take over. I don't know why you need to broadcast that to the to the entire world, but that's he's Dion coming being, with Louis Lovich. Dion being Dion. Uh, if someone Sean loved if it. someone texted me last night when he said I'm bringing Louis, we didn't know he meant Coach Lou from Kent State, <laughs> Sean Lewis. But that's a phenomenal hire. That's a guy he did I not really like that hire. Did not have connections with the guy runs one of the best and quickest offenses in the country. He's young. He relates to players. He'll recruit really well. We'll see how he builds out the rest of the staff. But look, I, I had my doubts about Dion at Jackson State, and and he proved me wrong emphatically so who's to say he won't succeed at Colorado and again the bar at Colorado is very low right now so I- I'm very excited to see what happens there you're one and 11 man <laughs> you can't be uh can't be walking around with it's two. not apples to apples because the transfer portal is so di- different than it used to be for sure and uh he will be very busy in said transfer portal that is Matt Fortuna follow him on Twitter at Matt underscore Fortuna also catch him out every once in a while with our friend Brad Evans on live on the line it is V-CID primetime Brad Powers joins us next MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season and so are we I'm Tori Deal and I'm Anissa Ferreira the wait is over guys all stars Four is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town South Africa for the prize of $300,000 and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.